This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. From the Willow Window Broadcast Center. Willow Window. Making your home beautiful again with replacement windows, doors, and decks. Online at willowwindow.pro. Now live from NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. Uh, we're going to talk property today, and thank goodness that... We've got a good man in that office, the property assessor, um, uh, Rob Mitchell. Rob, if we're saying the property assessor, that doesn't really describe your office, does it? Uh, it there is, uh, uh, we uh, have um, expenses mm -hmm. to take care of uh, all our employees uh, in the county, and we have to find a way to be able to find that amount of funding for that. Plus, th this county is exploding right now. So you have to have someone in office that has a hand on everything to know how to manage this. Because managing a county that uh, is building schools, having to hire large amounts of people just to take care of all the things that a county has to offer, uh, it, it's, it's not only a, a big expense, but it's finding the monies to take care of all of these things that are going on. Of course, you pass it on to Tell Beatty. Yeah, and, we and just, we, <laughs> this is how much it's worth, and then, yeah. then Teb collects on it. Yeah. <laughs> but everybody loves Teb, so. Oh, yeah. Well, they are very familiar with you now. How long have you been there now? Been there since 2012. Wow! So you got what nine years going on right now, and uh, have you seen a big difference in how you have to take care of everything now? It's it's gotten more complex. Yeah, uh, it, it just has. It's just uh, the growth has been something that has been difficult. I think for every office in the county. Yeah. To adjust to, uh, we you know we had. Jeez, uh, the the numbers. Well, you'll be the first one to hear this, Truman. Rutherford County has just passed ten billion dollars in assessed property values for the Whoa. first time in history. Yeah. And our our total uh, value, uh, appraised value of property, is thirty seven point eight billion dollars. That's amazing. Now, when I first took office. Uh, back in 2012, we were just a little over six billion dollars in assessments. Mm -hmm. So, in, in just the past few years, we've added over four billion dollars in assessed value, and that's uh, you're, you're familiar with it. But a lot of people may not know that because they're they're new to Tennessee, Rutherford County and the state of Tennessee does not tax people on 100% of the market value of their property like yeah. they do in some states residential property you get a 75 percent discount right off the top you're mm -hmm. only assessed on 25 percent of your your property's value so when we say assessed value that's what is assessed for tax purposes uh, commercial property is assessed at 40 percent uh, utilities are assessed at 55 percent of their appraised value so you take all of this together and out of the 37 Point eight billion dollars, ten billion of it, or roughly a third of it, is what is assessed for tax purposes, and that's a, that's a huge number. Uh, but we spend a lot of money because we are probably, depending on what the census figures say, mm -hmm. we're either the fifth or maybe possibly now the fourth largest county in population 
in the state of Tennessee. And yeah. we are the fastest growing county in the entire state and probably the southeast. Now, how is that affecting? Because we're growing so fast and there's so much building going on right now. Uh, e- even large condo complexes mm-hmm. and, and those type things. It costs more to build now. It does. Properties. Uh, uh, as as uh, uh, time goes on, in fact, uh, there's so many things that involved. I, I know that uh, uh, having uh, maybe the, the lumber cost had just gone right through the roof and things like that. How would the expense of building those homes affect the property value of people who have been here a long time? Well, uh, we we appraise at market value. Mm-hmm. So it, it's what what the market will pay for a particular piece of property is what we're required to bring everything up to once every four years and, mm-hmm. and then levelize the tax burden. So as we look around, if if you know, I looked at the first house that uh, I bought in in Rutherford County way way back in 19. 19- 88, mm-hmm. and we pay $64,000 for it, uh, 1,300-square-foot home. It now has a market value of $270,000. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, so that's, that's, what, that's what we're looking at. You know, And I think the sticker shock comes with folks that have lived here a while and aren't looking to sell their house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they see the assessment notices that we're required to send out once every four years. They'll come in the mail, and they'll say, oh, my gosh, my, my house can't be worth that much mm-hmm. until they start looking around. And then they see that, well, gee, my neighbor got that much for their house down the street. I can't believe somebody paid that much money for it. Yeah. But that's what the market is actually doing. And, you know. Our growth is is so fast. Uh, we're probably putting between in market value uh, four to in some areas of the county seven percent increases every year. Uh, Davidson County just went through their revaluation, and they're going to see. Uh, I think they're calling for a 34 to a 35 percent increase in their market. I don't mm-hmm. think they've sent the notices out yet, but but that's. That's what they're looking at. People in Davidson County, uh, if they've lived there a while and, and their property taxes are, are going up and their values are going up, they're moving to Rutherford County. Yeah. Or they're moving to Wilson or they're moving to Sumner. So what happens in Davidson County has an impact on us. Uh, and we just, we just have to find a way to, to plan for the growth and try to find the challenge is in finding efficient ways to address it. And that's something I, you know, I give, I give all the praise to the folks in my office for the hard work that they do. We've, we've got, uh, uh, everybody's going to say that their, their office is underpaid and understaffed. I know that our office is underpaid and understaffed and underrecognized for the amount of effort that they put forward in getting the tax base. And uh, we had, uh, Joanne Tarpley over in our office in uh, intangible personal property because that's mm-hmm. another thing that we do is if you have a business we send you out a little schedule because you have to pay property taxes on on your equipment and your fixtures mm-hmm. and there was a gentleman that called up and he came by the office later recognized Joanne's voice and, and said you know she was so kind and so thoughtful and so helpful, unlike so many other places that you call where people just want to get you off of the phone. Mm-hmm. We have a tremendous group of, of people there that really care about the citizens of Rutherford County. And and I can't say enough good things about the work that they do and how hard that they work. And I think that's countywide. I think yeah. pretty much our county employees, it, it's... It's easy to paint county employees or government employees with a broad brush, but, I mean, as you know, Truman, because you've worked in county government for many years, mm-hmm. people don't understand that the people that get into these type of jobs, they don't do it for the money because the money's not there. They yeah. do it because they love their community and they want to find a way to give back. And 
that's the story that uh, I wish everybody knew more of. We've got some great public servants at, yeah, at all they're levels. They're special of people. They really they are. They really are. Yeah. Now, we all know that growth does not pay for itself. No. And that's an obvious thing. Where uh, at one time I think that we were always at least a year behind uh, after you've done all the collecting and, and things like that. But with this type of growth that they, we we've got, all the uh, all the the major complexes that have apartments and things like that mm -hmm. in uh, that are being built now they're huge, and the people that are moving into those places they have a little bit of protection because the people who build that they will contest the amount of taxes that they're going to have to pay. That's right. And that, that's not a big plus for, for the county having to fight for the, that amount of money when it, it falls right in line with all the other things that are around them. Right. We'll, we'll equalize the values and yeah. we'll bring them to market value. And then uh, the, the apartment complexes will hire tax reps and attorneys and, and those tax reps and attorneys will come in and they'll they'll hire specialists in appeals that will come out and they'll appeal before uh, we try to we try to negotiate them down mm -hmm. uh, before it ever actually gets to the administrative law judge. Uh, the first step is they'll come to our county board. Our county board will will weigh their their arguments because that's always the first level of appeal is mm -hmm. local. They may or may not make a, con uh, a concession on the value. Uh, the next step is those companies rarely take the decision of the county board and, and go away. They will appeal to the State Board of Equalization, mm -hmm. which puts us before an administrative law judge. Now, the administrative law judge will then issue an order that the assessor and the uh, appellant will negotiate and try to reach an amicable settlement before the judge weighs the evidence and makes a decision. And we try to do that. Mm -hmm. We work very hard at working that out with something that's 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 reasonable. Uh, if, if Who appoints that judge? Uh, that comes out of the Secretary of State's office. Uh, the, the administrative law judges are appointed by the Secretary of State mm -hmm. to hear the cases. So if we can't reach a decision, then it goes to the administrative law judge, mm -hmm. and then he will weigh the evidence. And he will make, uh, he'll split the baby, is, is you know, an old Solomon thing. Okay, well, we're going to split the baby. Here you go. And so you're going to lose money. We're going to lose it. We're yeah. going to lose. We're going to lose something. Yeah. So we, we, several years ago, we did an analysis that determined what each judge that we might face mm -hmm. would actually reduce uh, what their their average reduction in value was. And then we tried to, to work out uh, uh, an analysis on how much could we possibly negotiate down to before we just have to go to the judge mm -hmm. and, and take our, our chances. So um, it's just math. It's statistics. You, you play the odds. What's going to work out better for the county? Uh, what's going to cost us the least amount of money to defend? What's going to save us the most? Is it worth the effort to go into it? Because that's what we're doing. At that point, we are the only ones trying to protect the citizens' tax dollars. Because yeah. when, when, we, when we are not successful in properly defending those, that shifts those tax burdens onto every other taxpayer in the county. Mm -hmm. So if a large apartment complex or a large industrial complex is successful in an appeal and they have a reduction in their taxes that they pay, you and I, Truman, and everybody else that's listening, picks up that portion of the money that they don't pay. Yeah. And that's, you know, we want to get the right value, but we don't want to, uh, to pass the buck onto the average person that's trying to pay their light bill and their grocery bill and keep their kids fed and in school. That, that's not fair to anybody. Do those, uh, the judges, uh, do, do they uh, take that in, in consideration 
that all that uh, expense money is going to be um, the people who are living there now and have been living there a long time. Do they? Do they even listen to that? No. That's amazing. They they simply look at the evidence that's presented, and they weigh the evidence. And if uh, the the appellant has the burden of proof, mm-hmm. but if they can overcome the burden of proof, which it's an opinion. Yeah. A- at the end of the day, values are an op- it's an opinion of value. The assessor's office is presumed uh, to be correct unless you can you can overcome that. Well, if you bring in uh, attorneys that are paid $500 an hour and mm-hmm. uh, specialists in, in appraisals that just to hear that case or paid $5,000 just to sit there, that's a lot of money on the table that they spend because yeah. there's tens or hundreds of thousands in the appeal and tax dollars that the county has to pay back to them, and that's how they make their money. Now, if you're, uh, but if you're a, a, a local property owner and you feel like that, well, maybe this is a little bit more than I really think I should be paying, you have the option to go before the committee. Right. And, and uh, they're not the ones that are going to go before the, the, the uh, appellate judge or whatever. They're not, it, it, it's the big-time corporations it is. that are going to be into the fight, isn't it? It is. And, and the, the thing that everybody needs to know about equalization is when we have a reval, and ours is coming up in 2022, mm-hmm. we bring everything to market and we equalize the tax burden. Mm-hmm. Now, that, that, that revenue neutral certified rate that will be calculated is based on the median increase in the county. Mm-hmm. So if the median increase, and I'm just going to pull numbers out here because it'll be easier math, if the median increase is 30%, and your p- particular property increases 35 percent, mm-hmm. then when they calculate the revenue neutral rate, the difference between the 35 and the 30 percent, that's going to be the relative rate of increase that you're going to pay in property taxes. Now, that happens with smaller homes mm-hmm. because that's where the demand is. Now, in a large apartment complex, they don't change hands that much, so the value change in that is not going to be as great. Mm-hmm. Its increase may just be 25%. So in real tax dollars spent, they'll pay less in real tax dollars after a revaluation than they would before. Mm-hmm. But they still come back and they ask for more. And that's not fair. Yeah. I mean, it's not. Now, if if we, if we if there's something that the market does not recognize on a particular property, and if they bring it to us before we set the rate... We'll be happy to look at it, and they can. They can. We request them to give us that information. Mm-hmm. Mr. John Sharon over in our office requests that information all the time from them. Rarely do they send that information to us in a timely manner so that we can get the proper value on it. His his uncle was my uh, seventh grade teacher. Was he really? Yeah, <laughs> and, and he also uh, was my first baseball coach, Gilbert uh, Sharon. Oh, okay. And a really really great. Uh, person, I just enjoyed him, and and I love John. John, he he he's a he's a I shouldn't say typical, but he follows the the the, the lineage all the way down. <laughs> you have some great people working in there. You we really do. do, and it's a very complicated job. It's not a very simple job, and yeah. and the people in there, you have to have the the best people possible to be able to go out and deal with all these unbelievable things you're dealing with. And uh, you you actually, when you talk about it, when all these places are being built, these big complexes, you have people to go out and, and, and be able to analyze what's going on. Right. We have to send people out. Uh, a lot of folks think that, that the permits uh, in the codes office and planning just automatically populate to our system. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not the case. The they used to send them to us by fax. Yeah. We've since got them to email them to us. Smyrna uh, has given us permission to log into their system remotely and print the information off ourselves. We we're still trying to get that from Rutherford County, from City of Murfreesboro, 
uh, Eagleville. Uh, they email us what, what few they have, and Laverne uh, emails us a spreadsheet that, that we pull the information off of. But we still have to send people out there to the site to pull a tape on it, mm -hmm. put their eyes on it, to walk the property, uh, and then put it into our system. So with this amount of growth, uh, we have fewer people now, Truman, than we did in, in 12 years ago. Wow. We used to have 36 people. We're now we're down to 30. So What's going on with that? Um, Is it hard to, to find people to qualify for those jobs? Or... Um, I, I can't imagine the, the the county trying to save money on not hiring the people that you're going to need to assess all the the things that are going on. Well, it's it's a, it's a difficult narrative uh, to tell. We we've had a lot of turnover because of the difficulty of the job. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've been working with the uh, the county commission and and with county mayor to get the level of pay up in the office and and. I'm hopeful. That's always a fight. That's that, you know that one. Yes, <laughs> you know. know it well. It's you know it's just the nature of government. People want to keep uh, government small, mm -hmm. but there's a there seems to be a disconnect. We are we are not the, the small rural suburb county of of Davidson any longer. We haven't yeah. been for quite some time, and we're in the big leagues, and. We have a last year we had a budget, uh, total county budget, which in school, included schools of over 600 and I believe it was 30 million dollars. Uh, when I first started, that doesn't sound five. like a whole lot of money anymore, does it? No, no, million here to million there, but yeah. you're talking about real money. Yeah, it's around 500 million dollars. So just in the last 10 years, there's been an increase of 130 million dollars. That's because of growth in infrastructure. And, and you mentioned something that I think, you know, is, is really important and it was very intuitive is that growth does not pay for itself. Yeah. Uh, the cost of a school, if you just look at the contributions, it will take between 30 and 40 years to pay a school bond off. That's, that's just off a of revenue that would be generated... Uh, off of property taxes. So if you want the property taxes to pay for a school, it's going to take 40 years to pay the bond off. That's wow. not including the people that you have to put in the schools and equipment. That's just the construction. So it's it's like buying things with a credit card. There's mm -hmm. things that you need that you don't have the cash for, so you you borrow. Yeah. And then you have to make that that debt payment service. So when we have the growth and stuff coming in, we have to be real careful what we what we invite into our community. We we need to, uh, and I, and I believe in in my heart that uh, we're trying to do that. It's just difficult to turn a ship. Uh, with that, Williamson County tends to get uh, corporate offices. Yeah. And uh, you know, we don't have the Cool Springs office complex. How did how did COVID did COVID affect your office at all? Our office is still closed to the general public. Mm -hmm. uh, we require masks when people leave their office and leave their cubes, uh, and and that's just to protect my people and protect the citizens coming in contact with us. We didn't miss a beat. We kept working all through COVID. Yeah, uh, we sent people out to measure houses. We still took the calls. We're trying to transition the office to where it's it's more of a, a touch. If you need to get the information, we want to design a system where if you want to call the office, you'll always get a live person and you won't get a voice uh, a voice recording. Yeah. But if you if you prefer to get uh, open up a chat button, you can text a message to somebody in our office and get the answer. Uh, right now, I believe over in personal property. Uh, I think Gidget is is managing managing the chat for personal property. If you have a personal property question, mm -hmm. and Chance Baker over in um, uh, in real property is answering some of that, and uh, Cindy is uh, uh, Cindy Dyer is handling some of the other property questions that come in. So you'll always get someone, whether you call in or if you just 
want to get it off your computer, if you want to try to look it up yourself, we want to make accessing the information about your property yeah. easy. Because nobody knows more about where you live than you do. You got a home touch with with the community. Yeah. Which, which that's great. But not everybody has a property assessor. I'm talking about the counties. And how in the world do they operate without that? Well, every county does have a property assessor. Oh, it does now? Uh, the, every county has a property assessor. Now, they may only have one person in the office. Poor Pickett County oh, my goodness. just has the assessor. And she, she, can't, she can't even take a lunch without closing the office down because it's just her. And there's several counties. How in the world does she, how do they operate? It's, it's extraordinarily difficult. Yeah. It, it really is. And state law is, uh, is a little bit antiquated with what yeah. it permits for assessor's offices. Uh, because they, they changed the rules several years ago where it says you can't change a law. If it increases, mm-hmm. they put uh, fiscal notes on it. If it's going to cause the county to raise more money and spend more money then it won't get passed. So it's been very, very difficult and a challenge to have any state law change to make it easier for assessors to do their jobs properly. And the larger counties have it much better than the small counties. Yeah. We, we can find a way to work around things. Smaller counties don't have those resources. You have lobbyists who will go up and fight for you. Right, we do. That That's a big plus. A lot of people don't realize how many things you have to fight for each and every day when you're having to, to deal with the properties and the, the safety values and all of those things that each community has. And, but it, it's very difficult through all kinds of processes. I mean, uh, I remember uh, just hiring new people or having to fight for uh, uh, their um, – uh, insurance, try mm-hmm. to fight for the, the the monies that they would be making and all of those things. You would do that in your own county, and then you're fighting for other things, fighting with the state. It's a it's a never-ending battle. It is. It is. I don't know how sheriff's offices do it because you, you've got battles everywhere. Yeah. But, but you're a constitutional officer, and guess what? If you do not get anything close to what you have to have, then you have that opportunity to go into a court of law and uh, see if you can get that straightened out. I I wish, uh, since assessors aren't technically a fee office, we we don't have standing to do that, even though we're a constitutional office. Isn't that something? We're the only one that doesn't. And, you know, that's, that's, I don't think anybody wants to have to go and enter into a court suit I know that no. you, you didn't, you know, put you in a bad spot. Well, yeah. you're, you're suing the county, suing the county. Yeah, and that, you know, that's a tough spot to be in politically. So nobody wants to be able to do it. But you have to. You, you know. don't have a choice. And a lot of people don't understand that uh, you have to be in those offices and you have to be part of the responsibility to make sure that office works correctly. You have to be there to understand what's going on, don't you? you really and the experience really does count in those particular offices. Well, it, holding, retaining, retaining people. Yeah. You said earlier how hard it is. It's very difficult to get somebody that's qualified that will stay. Uh, we've we've had turnover with people that have have come in and then left to go to another county office because for the amount that that we offer to pay, they could go to another county office and make more money and. And it not be as as stressful. What uh, kind of prior education do you need to work in those particular offices? You have to have some kind of we well you have to have at least a high school diploma. Yeah. We prefer somebody to have college, uh, to have some knowledge of mathematics and building processes. Mm-hmm. Depending on which off part of our office you go into, uh, if you go into cadastral mapping, we we're requiring that people have some kind of uh, GIS background, mm-hmm. uh, because what a lot of folks don't realize, uh, maps are the sole constitutional authority and responsibility of the assessor's office. Mm. So when a county has a separate GIS office, 
it's just something that they've decided to add, but it's not it's not constitutionally mandated. Yeah. But it is in the assessor's office. So uh, the nice thing about it, if it's in an assessor's office, it, the cost to operate uh, those functions can be cost shared by the cities. Mm-hmm. If it's operated separately, it's not. It's fully a, a county's authority uh, responsibility to fund. So there there are ways that uh, we can find better ways to utilize every office, every constitutional office in the county, uh, more efficiently working with other constitutional office holders and uh, making sure that the citizens actually get the best bang for the buck, that they're not paying for the same service twice mm-hmm. because we're just not, we're not maximizing what we could do. But, uh, you know, we'll get there. You know, it's, uh, I, I love every single current office holder that we have, and I've got to tell you, I'd put our people up against anybody in the state, top to bottom. They are amazing. Now, I think yeah, there are people who uh, will go out and assess property, uh, private people, and, mm-hmm. and they've done that for years. And, and and you think about the people that do it for your office, they have to have some type of experience to even come in there and go out, especially when you're assessing uh, millions and millions of dollars worth of property, it, it, it seems like it. you're almost overburdened uh, sometimes, aren't you? We, we've got a, a whole lot of information that people have to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I was telling you earlier, my, my wife had a great idea, and I'll, I'll give my wife, Kim, all the, the credit for coming up with this. Her mother used to work for the state of Tennessee, Employment Securities, mm-hmm. and she suggested that we looked into an apprenticeship program. Mm-hmm. And I called the Department of Labor. They don't, there's no such thing. Wow. So Rutherford County, working with the United States Department of Labor and the Tennessee Department of Labor, mm-hmm. we have just gotten approval for the first ad valorem mass appraisal apprenticeship program in the United States. Wow. So that well, will be. We're going to take a quick break, and I want to get back to that. Sure. As soon as we get back. All right, we'll be right back with you. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSradio.com. This is Scott. It's now time to make your health a priority with a quick and easy health assessment at Low T Center where they exclusively specialize in us men and they follow strict medical guidelines for your health and safety. And they are one of the leading men's medical providers in the country. Low T Center has really reinvented the doctor's visit and they make it quick and easy for us men to get in and get all of our levels checked out, not just our testosterone. It starts with an annual wellness exam where they do a comprehensive health assessment so you know all your numbers that are important to your health. If you've been feeling tired, grumpy, have noticed weight gain or loss of muscle mass, they could all be signs of low testosterone levels, low thyroid, or even sleep apnea. Low T Center can determine the cause and help. And now they offer monitored self-inject at home testosterone treatments, providing convenience and additional health monitoring measures for your safety. $135 a month for self-pay or covered by most health insurance. So book your annual wellness exam today. Go to LowTCenter.com. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Here, the first thing you're going to have to learn is until you stop expecting the politicians or anyone else to change your life, your life isn't going to change. The only person who can change your life is you, but you need to know how. Turn off the pundits and turn on the passive income. Tune in to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listen to my show, the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. Catch the Dell Wamsley Radio Show Monday through Saturday, 11 to noon, here on News Radio WGNS. The Garden Patch Thrift Shop on Spring Street, across from the tall NHC building. We've expanded our store. We've increased it about 600 square feet. We would just be very excited for everybody to come check us out. Proceeds from sales benefit Greenhouse Ministries, a faith-based nonprofit serving the underserved here in Murfreesboro. We were able to put merchandise into our store that we previously haven't had displayed. Maternity clothes, scrubs, activewear, pajamas. The Garden Patch Thrift Shop on Spring Street in downtown Murfreesboro. 
plaques, plaques, plaques. LNK Trophy has plaques. We have a wide assortment of plaques, lots of options in crystal, optic crystal. We sand carve on premises. We offer laser engraving on everything from acrylic to marble. LNK Trophy can etch crystal or glass. So if it's plaques you're looking for, come down to LNK Trophy. LNK Trophy House, 1115 Memorial Boulevard, just down from Smith Brothers Car Wash. Now an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. Tennessee schools will not be allowed to offer both in-person and virtual instruction this fall. The State Board of Education decided earlier this month during a specially called meeting that students who want to continue remote learning will have to enroll in a virtual school. Districts have been able to operate under hybrid models of virtual and in-person learning this school year after the Tennessee State Department of Education passed continuous learning plans. They were created due to the coronavirus outbreak. Officials say they've identified a man who drowned while kayaking over the weekend on Percy Priest Lake. The Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency confirmed yesterday that 60-year-old Larry Bassler of Murfreesboro died Sunday at TriStar Skyline Medical Center after capsizing on the lake the day before. DWRA looking into the cause of the accident. Tennessee keeping its nine seats in the U.S. House of Representatives. The state's appointment population from the 2020 census was announced as being well over 6,900,000 yesterday. That's up by nearly 9% since the 2010 census. The appointment population determines how many congressional seats each state will get. And the Middle Tennessee Strawberry Festival is returning this year. The 80th annual event is set for May 7th and 8th in Portland. The festival celebrates Portland's heritage in the strawberry industry, which dates back to the early 1900s. The festival has only been canceled twice in history, once during World War II and last year when it was COVID canceled. When news breaks, we tweet it. Follow us at WGNS Radio or log on to our website, WGNSRadio.com, for news on demand 24-7. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. I'm Bobby Parker from the Bridge Avenue Church of Christ, 725 Bridge Avenue. I'd like to invite all of you to our gospel meeting April the 30th, May the 1st, and May the 2nd. Friday and Saturday night services will be at 7 p.m. On Sunday, we will have the Bible class at 9 a.m., worship service at 10. We'll have an afternoon service at 2 p.m. Our speaker will be Brother Phil Sanders. You all are welcome and wanted at the Bridge Avenue Church Christ. How are you feeling today? More than an empty question, it's a real reminder to reach out to coworkers, friends, family, and neighbors. Remind them to get the care they need. Someone you know may be delaying important emergency care, chronic care, or emotional care. At Ascension St. Thomas, appointments are available now with strict precautions in place for your safety and our care. Ask about virtual visits. ERs at Ascension St. Thomas Hospitals are open 24-7. Get the care you need at GetSTHealthCare.com. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. We'll see mostly sunny skies here this afternoon with a high in the mid-80s. Winds out of the southwest around 10 to 15 miles per hour, gusting as high as 25. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 60. Classic kid movies are back this summer at Premier 6 on Broad in Jackson Heights. $5 tickets include admission, drink, popcorn, and candy. Check MurfreesboroMovies.com for showtimes for classic kid movies all summer. From NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. All right, back with Rob Mitchell. And uh, I would say that your job is not one of the easiest jobs as far as uh, being over a department in the county. So 
Give me a little bit more insight on what we were talking about before um, we, we went to break. I think the last thing we were talking about was the apprenticeship yes. program. Yes, yes. Uh, we, we will have the first ad valorem, which is Latin for at value, mm-hmm. um, mass appraisal, which is how we appraise property. We don't appraise at fee, mm-hmm. which is which is an individual thing that they would do for banks and refinancing yeah. if you're buying a house. Mm-hmm. Uh, mass appraisal apprenticeship program in the United States. So what what this will do is when we hire someone in, we will start them out as at, at an apprenticeship level, mm-hmm. which is at a reduced pay schedule, which will recognize it. They're green. They don't have the knowledge. Mm -hmm. When they reach certain benchmarks of experience, we will step them up until at the end of the program, which is a 24-month program, they'll be at at the full pay scale. Mm -hmm. Uh, What we hope is that this will give us kind of an, an opportunity to go for outside grant funding from sources if we're if we target a particularly uh, under acknowledged community mm-hmm. uh, we don't you know we don't have uh, say a particular demographic in our community but we're going to reach out to that demographic and try to recruit them in through the apprenticeship program that that might give us an opportunity to go out there to people that would provide grant funds to okay uh, you're taught you're you're going to help our community so we're going to give you x amount of dollars to help recruit people from our community to work in in this particular field mm-hmm. because every single county in the United States has an assessor some cities also have assessors and in some communities the state has assessors in the state of Maryland You'll have a state property assessor, you'll have a county, and you'll have a city. Mm-hmm. So those are those are potentially three different values right there that you could get on the same piece of property. Tennessee is is blessed in that all property assessment, with the with the exception of uh, utilities, uh, trucking firms, and railroads and airplanes, mm-hmm. uh, airlines are assessed at the local level. The Office of State Assessed Properties will assess uh, business operations that exist across county borders. Mm-hmm. But it's all local. So every community, every elected official that administers the office is a local face and someone that the community selects to administer that office who they believe is going to be truthful and representative of their values and, and, have fair. Their best, and fair and yeah. have their best interests at heart. So I, th- I think that's very important that, that it was set up that way. Uh, the state of Tennessee used to have a state property tax, and we still do. It's just that the rate is set at zero. Yeah. So Thank goodness. Yeah, because uh, if they ever, you know, one penny uh, at the state level, and everything is still set up there, to collect it, Ted would just collect the money if the state put put a value on it and send it to the Department of Revenue. Um, That's one of the draws for uh, people coming into the state of Tennessee. It is that we we are a very low tax state, and yeah. uh, Tennessee was recognized as having being one in five states to receive an A rating in, for fiscal responsibility and across the nation. Yeah. So. We, we are extraordinarily blessed in Tennessee to, to have uh, public servants mm-hmm. that are fiscally responsible and reflect that in how we, we do our budgets and spend money. It's a very conservative state in a lot of areas, which that, that's what uh, draws my attention. <laughs> and... and uh, uh, it's just living in Tennessee is like living in heaven. It really is. It is. All the all the benefits that we offer everybody right here. Now, when you assess property, uh, you're only assessing the value of that 
property and land itself. You're not looking at other areas as far as um, uh, how successful this particular place is going to be, if, if it's business or anything like that. But do you do it strictly by the square feet, and, and, and do you do it uh, the materials that go in to that particular house? How, how do you do that? Well, when something is is built, if it's if it's a a residential property, mm -hmm. then you use a cost approach when it's first being built. Yeah. And then after that, you transition into the into the market approach. Mm -hmm. If it's uh, an apartment complex, you would use the cost approach to start off with, and then you would transition into an income approach. Yeah. Because. The income approach has been deemed to be more appropriate because it's a, a business entity that is making money. Okay. And what is the value of that money-making machine? Well, yeah. it's probably not going to be less than the amount of money it's able to make. Yeah. <laughs> with, with something like that, a business uh, piece of property, is, is that one of the uh, places that is being constructed that may have them coming into your group and say now guys this is a little bit too much money and and uh, uh and the way that you do it is very fair to each person that gets involved and you're willing to listen to almost each and every one of them that oh, comes in yeah, we'll, we listen to, to everybody yeah we don't always tell them what they want to hear yeah uh but but we'll listen to everybody we take everything into consideration because our job isn't to, to stick it to somebody. Yeah. Our job is to get the right value. It's not necessarily to defend the value that we put on it, even though technically that's the way the law reads. If the value's not right, tell us about it. We'll look at it. If, if it's possible, we'll, we'll adjust it. Uh, that's, that's all, you know, that's what's fair. Yeah. Now, uh, the farmers at one time ha had that green thing that uh -huh. <laughs> would would uh, lessen the amount of money that they would have to pay. Is that still in in operation? We still have green belt. That's uh, see, we have two thousand seven hundred and fifty eight green belt properties. Mm -hmm. uh, we have five hundred and thirty four forest tracks that acreage of 15 acres or more that's being operated as an economic unit for timber yeah so uh, we have 534 of those uh, we have acreage tracks of a uh, thousand and twelve that might possibly be considered for agricultural might qualify for it but haven't been signed up for the discount mm -hmm. but we we still have it we still operate it uh, it can be tricky sometimes with how it's with the dates that when you have to get uh, you change hands, you you sell it to somebody. Yeah. Well, you know, the current owner that does the selling got got the benefit. So if the other person doesn't sign up for Greenbelt, the person that sold it would owe the taxes. Mm -hmm. The difference in what they were actually assessed for and taxed based upon what they should have been assessed for and taxed at, at market value. Yeah. So if they don't sign up in time, the other person gets stuck with it. Well, if if the person that sold it doesn't pay it, the lien goes against the property of the new person. Mm -hmm. So when the Greenbelt Law was set up, that's one of the few places that they allow you to contractually transfer your property tax obligation to the new owner. Okay. Otherwise, it goes with the person that, that got the benefit, which was the seller. Mm -hmm. But we, we still operate it. Uh, we, you know, if, it, if, it, uh, if it's got feathers and quacks, we, we consider that it's probably a duck and we'll get the benefit of the doubt to the, the property owner. So if you have 15 Do acres... Do your best duck call. I'm not going to give the duck call. <laughs> I can't help it. Every time I hear that, it just drives me crazy. What about churches? How do they fall into the tax Church, category? Churches are exempt mm -hmm. as, as religious 
operation. Uh, mm-hmm. That's by the state constitution. But that does not go to all the property that a church might own. Okay. If it's not being used for a religious sanctuary service, then it would be picked up and, and assessed. Uh-huh. So if a church buys some land and they don't have a church on it, they're not using it for church functions, then that would be assessed and appraised. Mm. Now, they can put it on Greenbelt, and there are several churches out there that have extra acreage that eventually they want to expand onto, and they'll apply for Greenbelt, and, and we give that to them. That's not a problem. Yeah. There are certain operations inside of certain churches that are picked up and assessed. If a church mm. has a coffee shop, yeah, that's not part of a that's not a religious function. Huh. So that coffee shop would be picked up and assessed for tax purposes because it's a commercial operation. So it's something that they're drawing money off of. Right. I, I see that. You know, it seemed like there are so many uh, churches and other things that are being built now that it takes forever because of all the the things that they have to meet as far as county or, or city or or whatever uh, are do do we have too much of that oversight as far as what's going on with the building of, of things like that I know that the the uh, Science Hill Church of Christ it's taken forever I know it's been going on for over two years and it's not that big um, who does most of that and and who follows up on it I think it depends on if it's in the city limits or if it's outside of the city limits well, it looks like it's about the same to me right now if it's uh, outside of the city limits that would go to county planning yeah and that would that would be under Doug DeMossi's purview. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's in the city limits, it would go through that individual city planning office. They would they would take precedence on it. Yeah. Uh, but we have a lot of places that build without ever <laughs> ever pulling a permit, and and it's uh, how did they do that? <laughs> they just because there's always somebody looking. There's yeah. somebody looking, and yeah. the more people you have, the the more eyes you have, the better job you can do, because. You don't want somebody building something in yeah. your community without it being approved for your community because it may not be what you want there. Yeah, but, but people who go out, say for the planning uh, group, and, and uh, if they see something, um, maybe a barn going up or, or, or those type things that may increase the property value of, of uh, their place, that actually uh, probably would help you because you guys don't do that. You don't go out and just purposely look at oh, something, yeah, we do. Uh, but not at the <laughs> time they're building. Well, we we get it as we see. So that's why we have people, when, when our folks are going out to, yeah. to pick up something that we get a permit on, they're assigned yeah. zones. So if, if they see something that they don't recognize, they'll go back and they'll look for a permit. Because mm-hmm. uh, on, on barns, if you have a farm, you're not required to get a permit to build a barn. Which has been kind of a loophole that's been used for, for. But it increases the value. But of it the increases pro- the value. So if we find it, we report it to codes to make sure that codes has something on it. If we we found in a uh, a village of tiny homes, it was built. Uh-huh. Uh, another job the state gave us: we have to look for short-term rentals, Airbnbs, mm-hmm. and, and classify those. In the discovery process, we found that there were some tiny homes that had been built for people to rent out on Airbnb hmm. uh, that had never gone to codes. So we we sent somebody out there to pick the value up on it, but we in turn turned it over to codes to make sure that, you know, they had a, everything was built so it wasn't a safety hazard. Yeah. So we, we work really closely with, with all the codes offices. If we find something in the discovery process, we make sure that their particular codes office, if we don't have a permit on it, then the, the flag goes up for us that maybe it was something that wasn't built to codes, mm-hmm. and maybe they should have an inspector go out there and inspect it and make sure that everything is is as it should be. So we're, we're charged with picking everything up, whether it's legal or illegal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had to pick up stuff out of Hippie Hill. <laughs> Tell me uh, about that. <laughs> out that way. Yeah. You know, so we, we had to measure and put all that stuff on. Yeah. Uh, 
doesn't matter if it was to codes or not to codes. The statute says if it exists, we have to pick it up and we're required to assess it, place a value on it. So uh, that's how our job is a little bit different. Uh, codes will find something if they get a permit on it and it's requested or if they're told about it, mm-hmm. they'll send an inspector out. We're required to cover all 624 square miles, identify every structure, keep it up to date, uh, and keep the correct value on it. And then defend that value once once a challenge comes on it. That's an unbelievable amount of information, isn't it? There's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and when you... Um, See, a lot of people think that you just look at uh, the computer looks at uh, whatever you have on that particular property each year, and it's just uh, it, it, it uh, stays the same. It, it just doesn't happen that way because there's too many, like you say, moving parts. There's too many things can happen to a piece of property. To do, d- does property ever devalue? Yes, it does. Because I know that homes get older and all all the things that can happen to them. There's depreciation that uh, goes on the physical structures that that we take into account. Now, Mm -hmm. uh, we'll bring that, we'll apply that to the market value as as we're going through it. But if a property is damaged by a storm or it has a fire, we you know we request that information from from fire and police services. Report it to us. We will send somebody out. To that location, we'll identify it. And if it's not, uh, if the damage is, uh, if it's more than 50% damaged, and it's going to be that way for more than a year, we reduce the value on that because we don't want to. We don't want to assess somebody for for property taxes on a structure that's that's damaged mm-hmm. and is not going to be brought back when the time the tax bill comes out. That's just not right. So we, you know, we've taken a very active role in our office uh, of of trying to reach out to people and make sure that if if they suffer a loss, let our office know about it. We'll send somebody out to investigate it, and if it falls within the guidelines that the state puts out, we want to be able to reduce that value for them so they're not overtaxed. Now, do you ever work with builders? All right, uh, we know that there are certain areas where um, it's probably going to explode as far as the building and maybe even the, the commercial mm-hmm. places. Let, let's take, for instance, Eagleville. Eagleville, as we all know, as soon as the, the, the sewer and the water things are all taken care of, that place is going to go into right through the roof. It will. It will. Uh, one of the things that I think y'all heard. Everybody's heard the announcement about Oracle going into the East Bank of Nashville and mm-hmm. investing 1.2 billion dollars. Yeah. The thing that got my attention was when there was a realtor on TV saying that uh, they were going to see big booms in Eagleville. Yeah. They did. They didn't pick out any other community in Rutherford County. They focused on Eagleville and said Eagleville is going to be booming. Yeah. So I mean that that got my attention, and I think it should have gotten everybody's attention in Rutherford. County. Oh, we've been seeing that for years. It's going to happen. It is. The uh, uh, the farmland is going to be gone, and then you're going to have a small city out there all by itself. Well, and that's Truman. That's why I think planning is so important. Yeah. You know, part of what draws people to Rutherford County and to Tennessee is they have the ability to have a sense of place when they come here. And yeah. There's, there's a, a type of living and lifestyle that going to the Kittrell Ham Breakfast, going to the Laverne Rescue Squad, going out to Fosterville to their their ham breakfast out there, their pancake breakfast for the volunteer fire department. Yeah. That sense of community is something that is lost in big cities. Gone with the wind there. It is. Yeah. It, it's gone with the wind. Yeah. And when people find a community that has all of the amenities, mm-hmm that has the shopping, but still has that hometown feel to it, mm-hmm. a place that they feel like they can get out and they can look out at green fields and breathe a little bit, that has a value. And that's one of the reasons why prices are going up. Yeah, We have a little piece of heaven right here, and everybody wants a piece of it. You see it probably as much or more than most people. Will we ever get too large? Uh 
to to not have the uh, that sense of uh, of um, a, a special place for everybody to come to. Will will we get that large? And how in the world are we going to control the growth? I know I know that uh, the commissioners and the mayors and all that uh, have it in their hands. But somebody like you that sees all of it, uh, can we really control the growth? Uh, you, it depends on what you want to control. Uh, I look at when I when I the analogy I use is, is we were talking about Cool Springs earlier. Mm-hmm. When when Cool Springs was going to be developed out that way around Moore's Lane, Brentwood didn't want to have any part of it. Brentwood went so far as to swap land with the city of Franklin because they didn't want Cool Springs in their city limits. Yeah. They didn't want the growth. They didn't want that that bothersome traffic. Well, they've got the traffic anyway. But all the tax dollars went to Franklin. Yeah. So we had that in with Wilson County with that uh, um, racetrack out there. Mm-hmm. We ended up having to work it. And, the, and they were getting the tax dollars. That's it. So you you can't you can plan for it, and you you have to make as good a plan I think as as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. But it, it's going to take some some really honest uh, looking at looking at the numbers, which aren't fun. It's not fun to do to just look at numbers and say mm-hmm. how are we going to to manage this. Everybody nobody wants things to change. Yeah, I don't. You know, I I want to still have a small town where I feel like I can get out and meet my neighbors and not have to fight traffic going everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right now, those days are gone. Those days are already gone. It's just just driving from one side of town to the other takes you more than thirty minutes. Yeah, and it used to be a ten minute drive. You go from the north side of the south side of of Murfreesboro, or you could drive to Smyrna and be there in ten minutes. It's now least a 25 minute drive just about whichever way you want to go uh, so we're already in the middle of that change I think the best we can do right now is to try to define how are we and this is just my opinion mm-hmm. uh, how do we how do we give isolated pockets inside of our county where people can still still feel part of a community yeah we're over 300 and probably 350,000 people right now you're going to take a guess at it i think we're close to 350 that's not that's not a small town. i think it's more than that i really it do pro- it, it could be i haven't yeah. seen the the census numbers i'm anxious to see what they are when they come out when they're released by the county level yeah. but that's a lot of folks in 624 square miles yeah. that's how much we got how do you tax, say, East Main Street, all that historical mm-hmm. area there, and then the square, which is a, a just kind of like a small city in itself with all the government buildings that uh, uh, are um, at, at, at the top of the level as far as uh, things that are going on in that type of commercial business community all of those a lot of them are old buildings they on are. the square and then maybe we're probably looking at somewhere in the near future just being a walkthrough instead of having cars being able to go on the square and things like that do you have to change how you look at that we do uh, again it's it's based on market we'll look at the market value yeah and and the one of the things that the land value may continue to go up, but if you've got a hundred year old building, the structure is going to be depreciating down. It'll still have economic life, but it's yeah. still an old building. And and a lot of the value will actually be in the land that that the structure is sitting on. Mm-hmm. But but we do take that into into account with it right there. We we need to preserve our historic structures. Yes, well, I'm a firm of, believer in that. That's one of the things that. Uh, that Greg uh, Tucker, our county historian, yeah. and He's done a and great Mayor, job. And Mayor Ketron, uh, we wouldn't have gotten that if Mayor Ketron hadn't believed in it and seen the value in it. Yeah. Because uh, he was the one that pushed it past. We've been, Greg and I, have been trying to get that through for for years, and was mm-hmm. just 
the will wasn't there until Mayor Ketron came in, and he's, he says, this is valuable. We need to do this. And then we made it happen. So that's, that's, that encourages people to invest in our historic structures and bring them back and maintain them instead of just tearing them down and putting something new up. Yeah. Because it's... It's a beautiful town, Murfreesboro. We really are. Yeah. I wish we could have saved more of it. But. Yeah, me too. Um, Jean Marie, I wish that they had saved that house, the Faircloth house. But mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, we didn't look at the historical value like we do now. No. And, and it's special that we've got somebody like Greg that's come in and, and uh, made that a possibility. And thank you for fighting for it, too. I appreciate oh, that. Uh, you know, all we can do, and you know this, Truman, is people tend to think that these these are, are great offices to be in, and they are. It's an opportunity to serve. Yeah. But uh, the echo chamber of politics, people tend to believe they're more important than they really are, and the only thing that we can really do that's lasting is to change a process that's, that's going to be a standard. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's been on the books for years, but nobody in the state of Tennessee had adopted it. We're yeah. the first county to do that. I'm glad to have a small part in it. You know, my part is very, very small, but I'm glad to have, have had something to do with that. Davidson County is looking at it. Uh, uh, Greg and I met with some, uh, by Zoom meeting, uh, some officials from Davidson County, they want to look at that as a way of possibly adopting to put into effect to try to bring back Second Avenue from the bombing to to help offset the costs of the expense. I think they say it's going to cost more than $58 million to, to repair those buildings. That's a tremendous expense in a small area. Yeah. And they they lost the old Washington Manufacturing Building that was down on Second yeah. Avenue years ago, and I hated to see that go. And they just said, "Well, we'll just make a parking lot out of it." It's a beautiful area over there. It really is. It's uh, I think at one time it was the largest single block of uh, pre-1900 buildings in the southeast. Wow. In one area. Yeah. So. But that gives, that gives that sense of place that we were talking about earlier. Uh, Williamson County has that with their downtown area, but a lot of folks don't don't realize that, that you probably do. Back, back in the 70s when, when we were tearing buildings down and putting new ones up, Williamson County didn't have the money to do that, so they just had to live with it. <laughs> I think they've got it now. I think they got it now. <laughs> Well, I appreciate it, Rob. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I thoroughly enjoyed having you on. And very educational for the people out there. I hope it didn't bore anybody. No, you didn't. (laughs) All right, guys, we will see you in the morning at 9. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Since 1981, Willow Window's been making homes beautiful all over Tennessee. From decks and railings to doors and windows, visit WillowWindow.pro. Willow Window, the official sponsor of the WGNS Studios. WillowWindow.pro.